you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. We have a... uh, Another really awesome uh, guest, and this time it's a couple. We've got a couple of people. We've only had a couple one other time, and mm-hmm. it worked out really well. This one could be rails off because we're all Southerners, and who knows what's going to happen. But this is, number one, this is episode 59. Great. Right? I, right. Got the, I got it out. Everybody was waiting. I know. And we have Dr. Ken Berry and his wife, Nisha Berry, and we are going to talk about some really awesome things about keto and pregnancy. Yes. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. It's glad, I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad I talked you into letting Nisha be on the show. I'll, I'll send you a check later because she was doing with that. <laughs> okay. First of all, that's not true. We were like, you need to have her here because she's the hands-on approach in this pregnancy part of the conversation. Right. She's the, she is the rubber meets the road. Can I say that? Is that? Yeah, you can absolutely. Great, you can say whatever you want. Great analogy. Now, <laughs> we, we've took it. We've taken some heat in the past talking about, um, you know, women being pregnant and needing to be on a keto diet. So we've had those conversations with other people. So that was a really the the main reason we wanted to have you guys on because we want to talk to Nisha and see what she's doing, how she feels, and uh, you know what what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I think that's great. And so for, for those who may not know who we are and, and you know, why they should care what we think, uh, I've been practicing family medicine. I'm board certified family physician, practicing medicine for 20 years and uh, very extensively trained in obstetrics. Uh, in my residency training, I delivered over 250 babies, first assist on over 50 C-sections, managed newborns, managed pregnancy, uh, prenatal, perinatal, postnatal. And so I've had quite a bit of experience with this over the decades. And then my lovely wife, Nisha, tell me, tell me a little about you. Uh, yeah, like you guys already said, my name's Nisha Salisbury. I'm a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for almost 15 years. In the past few years, I've been a labor and delivery nurse. So I got that side under my belt. And now I'm five months pregnant now so I've seen you know the nurse's side which honestly I I, he brags about being a doctor more than I brag about being a nurse because I don't feel like being a nurse got me anywhere with nutrition and it definitely didn't get him anywhere with nutrition either so like we say it with pride because we worked really hard to get the the, you know letters behind our name but you know we've done I just want people to know we're not just random people who have an opinion we both looked at this from the traditional training angle and then basically getting outside of our medic- medical training box and looking at it from all the other angles. So we're basically a doctor and a nurse talking about human nutrition for women who are not pregnant, women who are pregnant, women who have just delivered for newborn babies for, you know, for infants and toddlers. And then we're also uh, parents like this is this is our baby we're talking about here. So 
unlike some of you know the vegans that we've read news stories about, we're not going to be putting our baby at risk to 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 adhere to some religious diet fervor that we you know read about on the internet and we believe in that and they're you know we just like we believe in teddy bears and unicorns and santa claus and therefore we're going to just roll the dice with our baby's health we're not going to do that we're he, gonna he's do... already worked up about I am, I, I'm, I'm not am. even <laughs> done with my intro and he's already <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. Where, where I was going with that is that, yeah, yes, we are a doctor and nurse, but most of what we've learned about nutrition has come from self-experimentation, speaking with, you know, people like Dr. Westman and, you know, the other practitioners that have been in this sphere for a very long time before we ever even knew a thing about it. Yeah, we weren't trained in school about nutrition in the proper way. So we've had to really go at it and do it on our own and do self-experimentation and experiment on a fetus too now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, great being, you know, nurse. Pregnancy, so she would definitely not do anything that we didn't feel like we had excellent science to back, excellent common sense. And then the, the paleoanthropology of the human species on this planet for the last quarter of a million years, she would, you, as you can tell already from early in this podcast, she would tell me to shut the hell up <laughs> if she felt like something we were doing didn't make good sense for her first baby. Well, I know if people, first of all, you, you said if someone doesn't know you, if you're in the keto world and they don't know who you are, they, they really haven't been in the world yet. Um, so you guys are always on social media. You're putting out videos all the time on YouTube, educating the keto community, which is such a huge resource for us with clients and with people who just ask, I, I just say, here, go watch this video. I let you do all my hard work now, <laughs> but you know, when you're saying that about, you know, if they don't know who you are, most people do, and they followed your journey and they know the difficulties to get to this place of being five months pregnant. So right. to say that you would do anything or to think that you would do anything risky with what it took for you to get here would just be crazy. So you're right. doing, you, you had to have researched and done all the, the legwork. And, and you know from eating this way yourselves how good that you feel. And we know all these things about babies when they're being developed. And we want to get into that and why it's important to eat this certain way while you're pregnant or if you want to become pregnant and postpartum. So let's look at, let's kind of look at that and see, you know, while you were going through this journey and you, if you want to talk about that a little bit, feel free. Um, or if people, if you have a, a space online where you've already kind of documented your journey to this time um, that you can point people to. Well, I'll do like the five minute roundup. I do have a few videos on my YouTube channel, which is Nisha Loves It. All of my stuff is Nisha Loves It. It's very easy to find me. I, try, I keep it all the same. But for the most part, what I did was, well, we had issues getting pregnant. So we had to go through IUI and fertility treatments and all that stuff. And then eventually did IVF. Um, and that's when we got pregnant. But what I ended up doing this whole entire time was, slowly go from low carb, dirty, lazy keto, good, clean keto, meat, heavy keto to where I transitioned in the three months that I was going through the IVF treatments to carnivore. And that was uh, crazy because I'm not a real big fan of the carnivore way of eating, but I had 
done my research and it just seemed like that was going to give me the most benefits to eat fatty, good quality meats, good quality butter, and um, just increase the proper food in my diet and cut down even the whole food carbs, like the berries and the asparagus and Brussels and stuff like that. Because for me, I could tell a difference in my inflammation when I ate veggies as opposed to eating straight um, meat and meat products. So I did that in three months and then we got pregnant. And then (laughs) the first trimester really kicked the snot out of me. I struggled really, really heavily with food aversions. And uh, unfortunately, my main aversion was to meat, which was really stressful. But uh, about week eight, I could not smell me, be around me, look at me, talk about me, especially steak. I could do boiled eggs and chicken and every now and then a cheeseburger. But for the most part, I was I was nauseous. I was throwing up and I was definitely trying to keep it as low carb as possible, but having a really hard time. And a lot of the women that I've talked to actually have meat aversions in the first trimester. It's apparently not that uncommon. So right. unfortunately, if you have that struggle, it's just like do the best that you can. And then when, just like we say for regular keto carnivore, do the best that you can until you can do better. Then don't, you know, stress is just as bad for you as a poor diet. So you can't really stress out about it. So I tried really hard to just not beat myself up. But let's see, I was about 17 weeks when I finally stopped having any of those food aversions. And now I'm back to pretty clean keto and actually pretty meat heavy now these days. And I'll tell you though, when she says aversion, I mean, I'm talking about hardcore aversion to meat. I couldn't even uh, fry a steak in the kitchen. For about three weeks, I would have to go outside and cook steak on the grill. And one day at about, I don't know, 13 weeks, 11 weeks, I, I made the mistake of opening a can of sardines in the kitchen. And I, looking back now, I'm very glad that we as a couple are not as tactically prepared as you guys are as a couple. (laughs) I'm glad there was not a weapon within easy reach or I probably would be a part of this podcast today. And so I I learned at that point, no, she's really serious about this. She cannot smell me or she's going to be triggered. And so I'm so glad that part's over. But uh, it was rough on her too to not be able to eat the meat. To, you know, word to the wise men and the that are listening to this, don't think your wife is being dramatic. She's not. She's being yeah. for real, and it is better for you to just listen to what she says. Yes, those those aversions at the beginning of pregnancy are so real, and and you can't help it. The gag reflex starts, and you're just like, I'm. I can't can't be in the room. Can't smell it. Can't think about it. Don't talk about it. It's like having a yeah. stomach virus. It is. It's awful. It's terrible. I call it, I called it the nine-month flu is what I was calling it yeah. for a while. <laughs> and, and, you know, the time that you kind of got over that, I, that's um, that's pretty common, too. Wouldn't you say, Dr. Barry, that about yeah. that time frame is when those aversions kind of settle down? And yeah, we always try to break pregnancy up into these very discreet periods of time, first trimester, second, and third. <clears throat> but really, every woman is unique and every pregnancy is unique. Her first trimester issues didn't really resolve to about 17, 17 weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so women need to always remember that just because we call things first trimester, second, and third, that's not set in stone. Anywhere your delivery date is not set in stone. If you're pregnant, 
absolutely nothing is set in stone. It's going to happen when it's time for it to happen, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Yep. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about like what's happening during this first trimester, second trimester. We're developing a fetus, right? We're developing this yep. baby, and I know that a lot of people, you know, they do have the carb cravings when they get pregnant. And, and I think that's okay. I think everybody needs to just chill out. Sometimes, like you said, you got to do better. You do what you can until you can do better, right? But we're growing this baby who has this enormous brain. And do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of the fats and the different nutrients because of that? Yeah, so the, the human brain is made of uh, sphingom, sphingomyelins, of myelin, of fats, of cholesterol. Every cell membrane in our entire body has to have cholesterol in order to function properly. And that includes the cell membranes of every single neuron in your developing baby's brain. And so uh, I think that's where a lot of our vegan brothers and sisters get in trouble is they think that they don't need those good quality fats to help their baby develop and grow. And you absolutely do. If anybody should eat lots of fatty meats it's a pregnant woman and especially as much as she can tolerate in the first trimester because that's when the the neural pathways are, are starting to develop that's when the primitive brain starts to break break apart into the three big um, sections that we talk about in embryology that's when all of the ectoderm and the mesoderm and the endoderms are start to separate and and turn from just being a, a little cluster of cells into being entire organs and entire bones. And, and it's it, uh, really just the study of embryology is a magical, mystical, miraculous thing. Uh, but, but to pretend that a baby doesn't, and a, and a mom who's trying to actually produce another human being inside her body doesn't need to eat the same fatty meat heavy diet that anybody needs to eat when they're trying to optimize their health is it's just folly, it's ridiculous. And um, I was just reading a, a blog post. I, li- I read a lot of vegan blog posts just trying to understand their mindset because I know they're very earnest and fervent. They be- they're, and they're not, you know, they're not mean people. They're, they're just trying to do what they think is right. Well, some of them are mean. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> some of them are. <laughs> the average vegan couple who are trying to raise their children vegan, they mean the best for the world and for their kids. They love their kids. And so what in the world is their mindset I'm trying to figure it out so I can get in there and tweak it a little bit and plant a seed so that they don't know I've been there, but yet I can get them to stop poisoning their children, right, without just getting getting into a knockdown drag out. But, yeah, the, the first trimester, there's so many things happening. I mean, there are, are, are tomes of textbooks that are inches and inches thick of all the things that are happening. Uh, the baby is doubling in size. The cell number is doubling every few days. It's ridiculous everything that's happening. And so to think that you you need to just eat, you know, just vegetables just and no fat, and, and somehow that's still magically going to occur 100% of correct is is magical thinking, and it, and it disturbs me a little. Well, honestly, I feel like beings are the, maybe the most healthy pregnancies there are because I see so many other, like, mainstream women just eat basically whatever they want while they're pregnant. So... Well, I, I, I know what you're saying with the vegan pregnancy. Yeah. It's I'm more worried about women who think that in pregnancy you get a, a pass, basically. Yes, yeah. And, and not only that, but there's people out there justifying the need for higher carbs because 
yeah. of that you're making a human and, and like yeah that's not that doesn't make any sense you yeah. don't need the carbs to make a human you need a high quality protein and a quality fat and those type of things so yeah yeah the vegans they're they have their own issues but i'm more worried i would be more worried about the women eating the donuts and the milkshakes and the, and the cheeseburger with the large fries and like that kind of stuff is probably causing just as much if not more uh, epigenetic problems with the fetus than uh, a whole food plant-based diet you know what i mean yeah. yeah and i and i think what happens with a lot of people eating standard western diet is it it is mainly a vegan diet because think about it, what are they eating they're eating crackers and they're eating you know they're if you literally count just chronicle their daily diet it's 97 percent plant oh absolutely and then you have those women who like me with my first pregnancy um, I ended up as, uh, you know, I had pre-gestational diabetes. So, it, you know, reality, I had gestational diabetes. Yeah. You know, that's the reality. And um, the recommendation for that at the time, this was 1993 when my son was born, was that I needed to eat more carbs, you know. What? So I needed skim milk and low-fat yogurt and grains and, you know, all these different things. And right. you know, I and ended we up- were, Well, when I was working at the hospital, I guess when you were too, but I don't know if you manage diets as much as the nurses do. Well, like we all, nurses are in charge of patient education. And so I would be sitting there teaching these women who have gestational diabetes, like all, you need all these carbs and all these carby snacks in between the carbs and, and low-fat. As long as it's low-fat, it's okay. And, and, Right. It was like we were literally feeding them the opposite of what they needed to be fed, but they were following our directions and then wondering what they did wrong when they're, you know, they didn't oh, have good benefits. The great point, because a lot of people, like you, you said earlier, uh, Dr. Barry, was they're trying to do the right thing and they want to do the right thing. They're just getting the wrong information. Right. So yeah. you know, we need to change that of, hey, uh, there's another way, healthier way to do this. And you, you talked about it, uh, about nutrients focus on nutrient dense foods not calorie rich foods mm-hmm. exactly yeah. so you know when you look back at it and you you mentioned this earlier I, I don't know where we got off track with our recommendations in our country for pregnant women um i know the the dietary guidelines and all these things but at some point we weren't doing all this crap we were eating eggs whole eggs we were eating meat from the farm that we were you know animals we were raising and somewhere we got way off base to where when I you know when I gave birth the recommendation was infamil I was actually discouraged from breastfeeding in 1993 they brought a packet of infamil in the bottles with and they said hey this is so much easier just pop this top off, screw on the nipple, and you're good to go. That's what right. they told me. They sent me home with yep. flats of it. And I look back at that, my son would just projectile vomit every time he had that. So then what did they say? He needs soy. He needs soy. Yep. yep. He needs soy. So <laughs> yep. we did that. And that was a disaster. And he's he has allergies. He grew up with asthma. So, you know, when we're talking about this, we've got way off base somewhere. And I look back and I see, you know, you talk about ancestral diet. So you look back at Weston A. Price and his, that should be just human education 101. Everybody should have to read that. Absolutely. Think, 100%. You know, 
like the what to expect when you're expecting, throw that in the trash and go buy the what's in a price book because that's that's way more important than what's in what to expect when you're expecting. It's like that. And so many women are not, they don't know to reach for something else. They just see what everybody else has done for the last, like you said, what, 30, 40 years, their mom was reading that book, so they should read that book, but they don't even think, what should I be feeding myself? Is it, is it what we've been taught? Is it like, that doesn't make sense because 200 years ago, we wouldn't have had any of this stuff. So how can that be what I'm supposed to be feeding myself? We really love Weston A. Price and ancestral type, you know, forming the he's coined the term proper human diet because it it is about that it's not about being in ketosis and you know chugging the mct oil it's about eating the right foods with the proper proper nutrient density yeah and so this sounds unbelievable but when ansel keys was doing all of his research and then when in 1977 when the federal government implemented the food guidelines the low fat low cholesterol thing was just for older men to try to keep them from having a heart attack because eisenhower had a few heart attacks he smoked like a freight train but nobody ever talks about that (laughs) but and so this this all came into being to try to get older men to not have heart attacks but over the years it's it's just the weirdest thing because the american heart association was all for the low fat low saturated fat but then all of a sudden, the internal medicine guy started saying, well, if it's good enough, for, if that's what the American Heart Association thinks older men should do, then old, older women should do that, too. Based on no research, just, oh, well, if, it's, if that's right for them, it must be right for them, too. And you think, well, okay, that's not too big of a stretch. But then the American Academy of Pediatrics said, well, I mean, if, it's, if that's what adults should do, we shouldn't really start training kids when they're young. And we should start worrying about their cholesterol when they're young instead of waiting till they're grown, right? So they implemented low-fat, low-cholesterol stuff. And then the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology said, well, if it's, you know, if it's normal for adults and children, we might as well get pregnant women started on this low-fat, low-cholesterol thing and, and make sure they're eating lots of whole grains, all of that. So, so there, the, the, there is a tiny bit of possibly meaningful research for LDL and all that stuff in older men, maybe. But for every other member of the population, there's no research whatsoever. It's all it's been considered by doctors as common sense. Oh, well, since it's okay for them, then we should do it for these people too. And so literally, if you've got some, the, the chairman of the ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and you said, where do you, where, here's your dietary advice for pregnant women on your website. Where's the research? And every time he said, um, or, um, he just slapped his jaws and said, no, show me the, re- where is the randomized control research showing that it's even safe for pregnant women to eat lots of whole grains and to drink skim milk? Where's the research that shows that that's even safe, much less beneficial? Where's the research? And every time you, you, you waffle, I'm going to slap the jaws again. I mean, he would have very red jaws because he could produce no research whatsoever. And so at that point, you would think most board certified obstetricians would go, hmm, why are we recommending this again? Why am I giving every pregnant woman that comes into my office this handout that then Nisha would have to teach them when they would come to labor and delivery and say, yes, you need to skim milk, fat-free yogurt, lots of whole grains, lots of fruits. Where? Where did that come from? And so the, her, the doctor that gave it to Nisha, you asked Nisha, she'd say, well, I got it from the doctor. 
Ask the doctor, where'd you get it? Well, I printed it off the ACOG website. Okay, well, where'd they get it? Well, nobody ever takes that. Nobody ever goes that next logical step. Where did they get it from? It just came out of thin air. It's literally based on no meaningful research or expectant mothers or newborn babies or fetuses in the womb. There's no research that shows that low fat, uh, no saturated fat, lots of whole grains, lots of fruit. There's no research that shows that that is the optimal diet. And I would opine that it is not the optimal diet for pregnant women and for developing fetuses. Sorry. <laughs> well, now that we've Thor's hammer has been laid down. <laughs> this is what I live with every day. <laughs> uh, we have these conversations in our house all the time. Our our dog probably thinks we're arguing all the time. Oh yeah, she <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Something will come up and, and she'll start going on a tirade and I'll let her go for about, about a few minutes. I'm like, you realize I agree with you. I know all this stuff. Right. I'm preaching to the choir and also I've heard this a million times. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So were you going to have, did you have a question after Thor's uh, hammer? After Thor's hammer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to go from Thor's hammer to Wonder Woman over here. Uh, did, now, when you were, when you were, uh, you know, when you got pregnant and started going into your first trimester, did you do any blood work? Uh, any, you know, to try to just see where your numbers were at? Yes, because we were at the fertility clinic, they basically run all your labs just to make sure because you're, I was having to inject myself with hormones on top of producing my own hormones. So um, especially because I have Hashimoto's, they were keeping an eye on my um, T3, T4, TSH, and um, vitamin D levels as well. So we did get a baseline and everything Actually, my TSH is even lower than it was prior to pregnancy, but I'm, I'm still on my nature thyroid, but honestly, my numbers weren't as good, even on my medications, even before pregnancy, as they are now that I'm almost carnivore. It's like I, my thyroid really likes me to be as low carb as possible, which is funny because you hear a lot of that. If you you're hypothyroid, you need all the carbs and you need to carb cycle and da 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 And I can tell you from experience. For me, myself, carb cycling does nothing but make me bloat, feel like crap, bring back the brain fog. And that's not, that's just like veggie carbs. That's not even super hard, like sweet potatoes or something. But for me, that has always been crazy when I hear people say, you need carbs because you're a thyroid, because that's the complete opposite of what my body tells me. And And my labs. Yeah, and you're not the first person that I've heard say that because that is the normal recommendation from my understanding is that a lot of people will say, if you have hypothyroidism, you definitely need to carb cycle or eat carbs at some point. Um, And what I'm discovering from other people, you know, in the community is that the carnivore diet, they're thriving in, in that way of eating versus even a standard or standard, even a a traditional ketogenic diet with the vegetables because you know everybody has that misconception that keto diet everybody's just standing around eating bacon and dipping it in butter but right. the, you know mostly keto we pe- <laughs> well we are <laughs> yeah some people are and that's fine too <laughs> a lot of keto people are doing you know the majority of their plate is still you know a lot of above ground vegetables mm-hmm. and um you know that's that's a good amount of carbs for for most people and a lot of people just aren't thriving with that until they take that out and then go yeah. more of a strict carnivore 
we even saw, or I know I did, I think he did too, a benefit of even getting rid of that oils like avocado oil and olive oil, which aren't bad, but we, we find that we do better when we use butter, ghee, and bacon grease, lard, beef towel, duck fat, that kind of stuff, instead of the more processed, you know, vegetable, vegetable or, or fruit oils. Oil. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. But um, even my antibodies were, because yeah. they were like 275 or something, and just from doing keto on top of my thyroid medicine, it brought them down to what? Was it 70? Yeah. In a very short amount of time. Better than they've been in quite a while. Yeah. And let me add one more thing. If anybody's listening to this who is pregnant or about thinking of getting pregnant, or if we have any healthcare providers listening who take care of women who are thinking of getting pregnant, uh, there's a battery of tests that every woman should get during the first trimester, right? And one of those tests is a fasting blood sugar. And I want to tell every woman listening and every healthcare provider, that's not enough because gestational diabetes, the definition of that is that you develop diabetes during your pregnancy. But there are so many women who bring undiagnosed pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes to their pregnancy. But if you check only a fasting blood sugar, you don't know, you're blind. And so I would encourage every woman during your, your, your initial blood work for when you get pregnant, demand that you get an A1C. Yeah, we did an A1C on yeah, A2. And see, Anisha's A1C was normal. So we know that she, yeah, 5.1. So we know she didn't have pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes. But if we had only checked her fasting blood sugar, she could have been a severe type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic. And the, the fasting blood sugar can be normal after you fasted for 12 hours. And so we, the doctor would have said, oh, you're, everything looks great. Keep eating lots of carbs and I'll see you in a month or whatever. And so then all of a sudden she's developed this ma- magically when she does the one hour glucose tolerance test, she's magically developed di- diabetes somehow. And I think so many obstetricians and family practice doctors think that uh, gestational diabetes has no explanation. We just don't know what causes it. It just happens. And that's total bullshit. Probably half the women come to the pregnancy with prediabetes or type 2 diabetes. I mean, they only check the fasting uh, blood sugar. So they didn't diagnose it. They missed it. The doctor missed the diagnosis. And so she's been doing damage to her and her fetus the entire pregnancy because they don't check the oral glucose tolerance test for about 28 weeks. And so for the first 28 weeks of her pregnancy, she was an undiagnosed diabetic. And all of the potential side effects and complications that brings with it, that baby has suffered with that and potentially has had his or her epigenetic switches flipped and has doubled or tripled their risk of being a diabetic and being obese later in their own life, regardless of how they eat later in life. And so every woman should demand a hemoglobin A1C as part of her intake lab work when she's first diagnosed as being pregnant. And then if that if that's even one-tenth of a point high, if you're pre-diabetic, you've got to get dead serious and slash the carbohydrate intake. And then hopefully there's some healthcare providers listening to this who that's never occurred to them before. Gosh, yeah, prediabetes can hide if you just check a fasting blood sugar. We should start checking A1Cs on every pregnant woman with her initial lab work. I think that's it's mandatory that that be done. And if it's not, it's borderline malpractice. Yeah, I totally agree because, you know, I, going into my pregnancy, when I had um, the pre-diabetes, pre-diabetes 
scare with my son. Um, I felt like that it was the pregnancy was to blame. That's kind of the idea that I got from the doctor was that it was because I was pregnant and I didn't know I was young, you know, I was 22 and I had no idea. So I just thought pregnancy causes diabetes, you know, Yeah, yeah they say it was your, it's your pregnancy hormones. They caused this. And yeah. I know they say that because I used to be one of the guys saying that back in, in 1997, 98, 99, before I knew better. I would tell you, that's just your pregnancy hormones. This happens sometimes. We don't know why. Here, take this diet hand out and eat lots of whole grains. Yes, that's what they told me. <laughs> I was drinking whole milk. They told me, no, don't do that anymore. Drink skim milk. And so I switched from drinking, and here was the problem. I drink, switched from drinking the whole milk with my little chocolate donuts to drinking the skim milk with my little chocolate donuts. <laughs> That's what my big craving was during that pregnancy was yeah, the uh-huh. little chocolate donuts. Uh, but <laughs> so I doubled the sugar. <laughs> yeah, you basically doubled the sugar. Yeah, yeah I did. But, but you, you did were it. following the directions. You based it on your doctor's advice. Yeah. yeah, I did. And so I probably became more diabetic during that pregnancy rather than reversing it with the handout that they gave me, which is so terrible. Ugh. Absolutely. It's hard to think of. Yeah, oh, it's very difficult. I mean, uh, you know, both both my uh, children who was from, you know, a previous marriage, uh, they had autistic behaviors. They were all, they had those disorders that were that were autistic. And and we followed a healthy diet during pregnancy. I, I know we did because, you know, we talked about it. But, you know, they didn't develop well. And it wasn't until, especially my son, who was born in 2003, until he was about eight or nine years old when we changed his diet that his behaviors actually changed. Like he became a different person just removing removing sugar, number one, but then feeding him healthy fats, number two. Yeah, and talk about, talk to the parents that we're not trying to shame anybody because we've actually been accused of that. You're just, this is parent shaming. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like you. I mean, you're you're owning your mistakes. You didn't know better. Right. Mm-hmm. Pregnant. I mean, yeah, there's no difference in us talking about this as we're talking about us feeding our own bodies crap for the past you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh, hey, that's wrong. And then going forward and changing what we're doing from here forward. You can't change the past. And we don't, I don't feel guilty for, you know, feeding myself crap for the last. I did what I thought I was supposed to do, you know. I, I, right. I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. And no parent is going to do something wrong to their child on purpose, obviously. But once you know better, just we say that about everything. And our applies when you know better, do better. And then just let the past go. You can't do anything about what you've already done. And don't hear this as us trying to shame you for past behavior. We're trying to teach you about future behavior. That's what, that's what we're a hundred percent about is let's start today and make tomorrow better. But we're never trying to shame someone for something they did in the past. Cause you can't help that. No, there's, there's, you didn't know better. Absolutely. And so for parents who have already gone the route and had their kids and they're grown, this is real important for us as grandparents, which is what we are now. And we put the Weston A. Price material into every kid's cans. And we say, you know, this is, this is something really important because, you know, we teach our kids that are having children now. And now, you know, we're, we're so excited to see like my son and daughter-in-law feeding their kids egg yolks and bacon and, you know, butter and all these, you know, and the kids, they're, they're kids, they have a strawberry here and there and they have some berries and that's great. 
they're not eating junk. That's the big thing. They're not starting with rice cereal. They started with bone broth with egg yolk. You know, let's talk a little bit about that plan. Like if you are pregnant, what's the plan once the baby's here besides after breastfeeding? Obviously, we know that's best. Don't like don't be like me and be forced to feed your child infamil and soy formula uh, because tell you it's easier. Right. And, and we, when we do talk about formula and we talk about how bad it is, we're never talking about the mom being bad. We're talking about the companies. We're shaming the companies. Like how dare they not give you a better option? And that's on them. That is not on moms that had problem breastfeeding. That's not on the mom. that didn't have a choice to breastfeed. That's on all these big companies. And we've looked at all of them from the low end to the high end, and they all have the same ingredients. So when we talk about that we are definitely not shaming moms, but shame on those companies because they should do a better job providing an alternative to moms who can't breastfeed or don't have the opportunity to breastfeed. But also we've learned that goat's milk apparently is a great alternative to breast milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been a very common thing that a lot of people use and have used for a very long time. So think that's important to talk about that there is an alternative out there and then there's donor breast milk too and there's all that stuff so once you get past the six months more if we we're doing a baby led weaning I don't know if you guys have heard about that uh-huh. it's so fascinating if you had asked us three weeks ago we would have said we were going to puree and make our own you know baby food but now we're probably not even going to puree we're just going to do baby led weaning where you just put the food in bite what is it hand size chunks yeah. We read a book about it. It's called Baby Led Weaning. It's on Amazon. They have an audible version for those. You don't want to sit down and actually read. You can listen to it. But the baby's palate is hard, which if you've ever breastfed, you know. And they're able to gum meat and get the enzymes and the juices and stuff out of that. Eat avocado, boiled eggs, those kind of foods. They're able to already start using those nutrients from the time this book says if they can sit up on their own and grab it and put it in their mouth they can pretty much and this is a very ancestrally appropriate because think about fifty thousand years ago nobody had magic bullets or um uh uh, ninjas or anything you didn't puree food the mom might chew it up a little bit and give it to the baby but basically the baby just ate the food that the adults of the tribe were eating and and so any and like Misha said, I mean, women who breastfed will tell you a baby can bite the crap out of you with no teeth. Yes, they sure enough can. And so they don't sure think can. that they, yeah, don't think that they can't gum some egg yolks and some scrambled eggs and some liver and and just you know go to town on some bone broth and all kinds of different meaty foods. They absolutely can, and, and that's going to give them every single nutrient, every vitamin, every mineral that they need to develop the best brain that they can develop and the best body that, that they're going to benefit from later in life. How think that babies need carbs? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think babies need <laughs> a single carbohydrate uh, yeah. from, the, from the time they are born. Uh, there are carbohydrates in breast milk. And let me, I want to say one more little thing about breast milk. Maybe back in the, the 80s and 90s, if a woman just could not breastfeed, and she lived in a remote location, she might be screwed. She might have to give her baby formula. But these days, every mom is on Facebook. And I guarantee you, if you are one of the, you know, one out of the 1,000 moms who truly, truly cannot breastfeed their baby, 
you can make a, you can post something on Facebook, and within one 24-hour period, you'll have five women reach out to you and say, "Yeah, you can have some of my breast milk because I'm making milk like a like a, a Jersey cow over here. I got plenty. You can have some of mine." Exactly. And so that is one thousand times safer and healthier than giving your babies damn Infamil or Prosobi or any of that crap because it's all all it is is corn corn and soybean. That's it. That's literally all they're made of. And so ask, ask somebody on Facebook or Instagram, hey, I need some breast milk. Who can help me out? That I think it's technically illegal in some states to do that. But you know what? I'd much rather be a criminal than to not feed my baby the, the most ancestrally appropriate food possible. We just do stuff and then ask for forgiveness later. Yeah, that's, our, exactly. that's our way. I love that you said that about there was no Nutribullet. There was no way to puree food because when you, you, and we love that about your information on social media, on YouTube, is that you peel back all of the junk that's out there and bring it back down to common sense, which we have lost, as you know, in the medical field. And so bringing it back down to what would you have done if you were out in the bush and living as, you know, a caveman, what would you have done with your baby? Well, you sure wouldn't have given it bananas first, you know, unless you were living in a tropical environment, I guess, maybe. But yeah, you wouldn't have been starting with rice cereal, bananas, and, you know, pureed sweet potatoes. It's 100% that would not happen. I'm yeah, the type of food that babies are started out with, it's like, that's, that's what we're going to lead off with. Like you said, it's, it's always rice and oatmeal, cereal, bananas. Like some of the top four things that we know now, we would never put in our own mouth, much less a brand new baby who is still developing at such a fast rate that all of those nutrients are going somewhere to a development stage. Because like that first year, they're just grow, 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 grow but we're going to give them basically just sugar to grow on. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it it's like you're putting all these obstacles in your baby's way. And then if some developmental delay pops up or some, you know, anatomical or psychiatric issue pops up later, we're just like, I don't know, these things happen. I don't know what happened. But uh, 99% of the lines. time, yeah, 99% <laughs> of the time, but no, it's not, it's not the, all the bananas and the rice cereal and the, the wheat and the corn. It, it surely can't be all that. Yeah, and the labeling on these foods is insane. Like they do all the, you know, fortified nutrients with the vitamins and non-GMO and like things that do not matter. But to a mom who doesn't know any better, that looks important. Yes. Right. Misleading marketing is where, that's how we got where we're at actually, you know. Right, exactly. Vegetable oil. There's no vegetables in vegetable oil. But they right. put exactly. So that's that's just misleading marketing. So you'll buy their shitty product, yep, right? Exactly. And it, it really it calls to moms. Like I walk by there and I know better. And I'm I told I tell him I'm like I want to buy this stuff yep. because it's so. I mean, you know, they're doing so much <clears throat> research, like what color to put on the label and what baby's face to put on there that makes a mom go, oh, I should buy this for my kid. Even though I know better, I tell him, I'm like, I'm drawn to that stuff. I just can't help it. But, I, you know, I'm not going to buy it. But I'm very conscious of the fact that that marketing is working on me, even though I know better. So how, like a mom who doesn't know better, she doesn't stand a chance. She's going to buy all of that stuff. Yeah, and we, uh, we have a friend who uh, I posted on my Facebook page. I, what's the name of those things, the little crunchy things? 
Puffs? Puffs, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I just, she just, that's all she'll eat as she's taking them out of the container and handing them to the baby. She's like, that's all she'll eat. And I'm like, I didn't give them to her. Who, who gave them to her? I don't know. It wasn't me. But, and, but you can imagine if a mom is not woke like you and like Nisha and she's busy and she, you know, the bill's got to be paid. She's going to reach and grab almost subconsciously the thing that looks like it, it must be the best. It's, it's in Walmart and it's right there and it's got a cute little baby on it. And, you know, they wouldn't be selling this stuff if it weren't good for my baby. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine just a, just a, a, a regular uninitiated woman. She's, she's defenseless. She has no chance when it comes to knowing what to feed her baby. I mean, she's literally lost in the nutritional wilderness. Well, and, and people don't understand the labeling too. Like that when it says made with real vegetables, that doesn't mean that that's all that's in there. Right. <laughs> you know, they tapioca starch. There could be. Yes, there is. There yeah. is. Yeah. Yes. That's the number one ingredient. Actually right. during the making of the, the rice and tapioca, whatever it is, they held up a piece of broccoli in the factory. And so therefore it's made with vegetable presence. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's. Yeah, and that's the natural, good. natural flavorings. Like yeah. that don't mean anything. Yeah. It means nothing. Yeah. Well, you made a great point is a lot of people say that is they wouldn't sell it if it was not good for you. And right. what we have to understand is those companies don't give a rat's ass about you and your health. They care about your dollar. That's it. Right. Yeah. The only thing they truly do care about is they do truly don't want to kill you immediately because there's legal ramifications from that, right? If they kill you too quickly, but now if what they give you as food doesn't harm you and the evidence doesn't show itself for 20 years, they could care less about that because they've got bean counters who literally sit and figure up the percentage probability that you'll get sued. And if you get sued, how big will the class action lawsuit be? And if there is a class action lawsuit, what will the final judgment be? And then they'll do the math and compare that to the profit that's going to be made. That happens every day with car manufacturers, food manufacturers. That's how they say, yeah, there is a small risk by putting this in there. But, you know, uh, counting has told us that we're still, the profit's going to more than cancel any potential lawsuits. Proceed. That's how it happens every day. And so unless something's labeled as poison, they can put it in your food. As long as it doesn't kill you quickly, you really have no meaningful legal recourse whatsoever. Oh yeah. We, I, you know, I tell all my, uh, my young, you know, athletes that sugar is poison. You should never ever ingest it or eat it. And I get a lot of, you know, really weird looks and like, well, it's poison, you know, how can they sell it? And I'll tell them, listen, you could, you could consume. If I gave you a box of rat poison and said, here's some rat poison. If you eat a little bit every day, you're not going to die. I mean, it won't kill you. But you're going to get sicker and sicker and sicker as you go along. That's exactly what sugar does. It's the same thing. They just don't call it rat poison. Yeah, and I love your poison analogy because that's what I think everybody in this community, we should really stop talking about the ketogenic diet, the carnivore diet, the proper human diet as adding things. We really need to start talking about the subtraction of things. What we're really doing is getting rid of all the slow poison. And then just eating real food and real meaningful whole foods. And, and that, I think people get that. It's like, yeah, the, you know, if you eat, if you feed your baby puffs every day, as many puffs as they want every day, they're not going to die. And they're not going to die tomorrow or the next day or the next day or for the next 20, 30 years. But their odds of becoming obese, their odds of having a fatty liver, their odds of having type 2 diabetes are going to skyrocket the more days you 
you meddle with their epigenetics by feeding them too many carbohydrates, you're rolling the dice with your baby's future health. Every single day, you just thoughtlessly hand them a handful of pups. And we all started, I mean, so many of us, especially my age frame where we've had our kids, they're, you know, teens and older. Um, we started off our kids with things like that. Teddy Grahams, um, yep. Cheerios. Cheerios, you know, here's your bag of Cheerios. Cheerios. Yeah. yeah. And that was Have you the- seen the bag, the baby's first cookies? Have you seen those? No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> like they're specifically for babies and they have like, they're made like a ring so they can hold on to them and like, Wow. They're marketed to baby. They're yeah. just a cookie. They're not anything special. They're not <clears throat> even, I don't even think they're fortified with anything. It's just a sugar cookie that's in a shape for a baby to hold. Yeah. And so here's the, the danger that moms who are trying to be good moms get into. They, If somebody heard what Misha just said about the cookie or what you said about the Teddy Graham, they, a good mom would say, well, I'm definitely not going to feed my kids that crap. I'm going to give them Cheerios instead because it's unsweetened. And you see how to just a mom who's not aware of everything, that sounds like a much better choice when in reality she's just made a choice that's a little less bad, but it's still bad. And so that's so many moms are giving their kids Cheerios and things like that, that they're not sweetened that as far as they know, that's not any better. They might as well just give them the Teddy Grahams and the, and the, the baby cookie. Probably the worst thing that advice I got from a, a doctor was to give uh, my kids apple juice. And, oh, yeah. and so, you know, they tell you, Hey, just give them apple juice. And so you kind of get that as your go-to drink for your kid. Yes. And, you know, and then again, when you wake up to what's going on and you look at it and you're like, Holy mackerel. Holy crap. Yeah. Every day. Your liver. Yeah, you're big. Yeah. Hummingbird yeah. food. Yeah. Hummingbird yeah. food is all that is and, and a jug for your kid, but yeah. it's marketed as a healthy drink at the healthy beverage made with real fruit all the labeling stuff yeah and and uh the government pays for juice like it's nothing they yeah. packed and packs of the juicy juice you can so, get on so, wick yeah so that's what i was gonna say when you said that if someone is in the stat in that uh financial status where they have government assistance with the WIC program they're mm-hmm. really gonna have a difficult time with this yeah they are kind of bound to buy the foods that are paid for it's on that list. By yeah. So it's all processed. Really difficult. So when people are talking about why are y'all always harping about the tech, you know, the uh, the dietary recommendations, it's because look at how many people this affects. This affects mm-hmm. every future generation for the people yep. who are in that situation. Yeah, I think that the Women's Infant and Children Program in Tennessee. I don't even think they can buy whole milk anymore. I think they have to buy 2% or 2% less, or less yeah. milk. They can't even get their children whole milk anymore. Uh, and there's several things like that, that they, it's just off the list now. And so if you do depend on WIC or uh, EBT to feed your children, there's a lot of the fatty stuff you just can't get anymore. It's just not an option, especially for the, the WIC program. Yeah, but you can get uh, cheese puffs and Pop-Tarts right. pretty easily. Absolutely. Right. That's right. And juicy juice. Yeah. All the juicy yeah. juice. And cookies oh made God. for babies. Yeah, baby cookies. You can get that. You can get the baby cookies. That's just – and so that's why, you know, everyone listening to this and that listens to you, we do have to we, – we might sound a little militant at times, but it's because of these things. 
And we all are very passionate about this because either A, we've had our own health crisis or we've had a child who's had a health crisis or a parent or someone and we see that it's the food that was the cause. And when you really wake up to connecting all of the different issues, health issues with the food going in the body, then it becomes, it's going to become your passion too. So if you, if maybe exactly. somebody's listening to this and they're like, why are they so, you know, passionate? <laughs> you just haven't had your moment yet. And we hope that you maybe change before you get to that place. But that is why. Yes. And that's why we bring Dr. Kenberry Thor Hammer to the podcast. <laughs> we'll just call him Dr. Thor. Thor's nutrition. Oh my gosh. Don't give him the big head. He's just big enough. <laughs> But yeah, we're, we're very passionate and, and I think even more so now that there's a, you know, a baby coming into the picture, we're going to be even more obsessed and talk about it even more. And, you know, for some people, they don't want to hear that and that's okay. But like you said, maybe at some point they'll be like, oh, I get it. But we're not trying to like force anything on anybody. But if you want to learn, that's what we're here for. We're here for those your listeners, our listeners, people who are looking for the information that hasn't been out there until the last few years. So we're hoping to put that out there for more and more people to find and hopefully implement into their daily lives. Yeah, if they haven't been lucky enough to have a doctor that doesn't hand them that list of food to eat that's all low fat and full of grains, then, you know, they're, they maybe now, maybe now someone will hear this. And if they have a if they're not pregnant, but maybe if they have a daughter or a daughter-in-law or a niece or somebody who mm-hmm. is pregnant or going to become pregnant, this will be something they can hand over and say, listen to this or go listen to Dr. Barry's YouTube, you know, uh, video on pregnancy because it's so important. He doesn't always exactly clamor to his videos. No, he's a, he's a little more calm. I don't know. Maybe we bring that out. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't, if we if we hang out much, stuff will probably get broken. I don't know. I try to not do a whole like his whole brand is obviously like health and wellness and all that, but I do a little bit of everything, and I do that first of all because but keto is not my whole entire life, but also I feel like I reach more people. Uh huh that may not have ever heard of that. And then they just happened to watch some, one of the keto videos and be like, Oh, she does it too. <laughs> Sorry. the dog. That's okay. We, know <laughs> you love dogs. we love dogs. So, I know that you do a lot more fashion and outfits. Right. You're like kind of the outfit of the day and then kind of um, a little more health and, and wellness in the beauty side. Right. So I've seen some of your stuff. It's awesome. And that oh, does that draws a lot of people. And you tell people mm-hmm. where you got your, you know, different pieces of your outfit, which women love that. And so they're going <laughs> to see that and then be like, wow, she looks really great. What does she do? So that and is. I feel like that. Yeah. That opens the door for people to be like, oh, she's not some woo woo chick. Like, you know, she wears Adidas and, you know, like drinks coffee like she, yeah. and, and shops at Nordstrom and Target. And she's just a regular person because I feel like people associate this kind of talking with people who are a little more dogmatic. And we're really not that way, you know? Yeah. Or they think that if you're healthy, you're very crunch, what we call crunchy, crunchy granola, granola. crunchy granola. And we don't eat granola. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, they think you're a little bit off, you know, right. Exactly. 
a little woo-woo, as they exactly. say. And yeah, so, maybe, well, maybe we are, but it works. Well, I think we're more realistic. There are some of those things that it's like, okay, you're a little, that's, you know, that's a little far-fetched, but you, you just can't really argue with someone saying, what, how, how do you explain this? Like, I'm not eating processed foods. I've cut out sugar and, um, you know. I'm trying to I'm, eat a diet that my ancestors ate 100,000 years ago. I mean, I'm trying to eat a, a completely natural, appropriate human diet. And we, we know we, we have stable carbon and nitrogen isotope where we can go back and look at fossils that are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 years old. And we can tell what percentage of their diet was from the sea, what percentage was from red meat, what percentage was from vegetables. That stuff's not up for debate. Now, a lot of, uh, you know, plant-based gurus don't want to talk about that stuff because without exception, when you look at humans in the past, we ate as much fatty meat as we could get our hands on. And then we would eat some veg if we were, if we were in danger of starving to death. That's kind of how we acted as a species for at least a quarter of a million years and the carbon and, and nitrogen stable isotopes, they tell you that without, without exception. You can know these things, and you can tell what kind of meat. Was it red meat or was it seafood? You can tell from the different nitrogen isotopes that are in the, the fossils. And so I, that's what I'd say is I'm, just, I'm not eating any processed food. I'm not eating anything that comes in a cardboard box. I'm trying to get rid of all the sugar, added sugar in my diet. I'm trying to eat like human beings ate 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 years ago. And when you put it like that, who could argue with that? Why would anybody want to argue with that? Right. You're just telling people to eat real food. That's really right. big. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right. You can't argue with that. When you start breaking it down, like people can't go, well, that's dumb. You know, eating real food is dumb. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Or dangerous. Eating real food is dangerous. Wait, what? What? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when, you, when we talk about that, we've probably all seen, and if somebody listening hasn't seen, you can just Google it, what wild carrots looked like let's just you know we peel yeah. back all the junk let's look at it from a common sense perspective those wild carrots were very tough and very skinny and they looked just like a stick so yeah. a lot of people will start not sweet at all not no. sweet at all and a lot of people will start their babies on carrots in the little jar thinking oh i'm doing something so healthy for my baby that carrot didn't even exist when we have people who are saying even in Mm -hmm. the nutrition world that do eat a little bit of meat but dietitians nutritionists will say pardon me that we need to eat a variety we need to eat the rainbow we didn't have a rainbow that's That's right we didn't have that rainbow until highways refrigerated trucks and all these things and i know you have said this on your youtube channel we didn't have the ability to eat the rainbow so you have to peel it back. This is all a new phenomenon for humans. That's right. It's all a fad. It is. 100%. That's right. Exactly right. And no one understands why all of a sudden we have this influx of our elderly people with Alzheimer's and our young children with, you know, autism. And they're not putting... And obesity. And yes, and obesity. Yep. Kids with yep. fatty liver disease. You know, no one's putting these things together that this new phenomenon of having all these foods available is part of the problem. That's right. And you, I can tell from what you just said that you've seen the articles about how fruit has changed over even last the last two or 300 years. And I got in a huge slap fight yesterday on Twitter. Uh, and I posted, my post said that, you know, modern fruit is 100 times sweeter 
than ancient fruit. And man, the vegans and the plant-based people and the even horticulturists were coming out like, you're ignorant, you're crazy, this is madness, what are you talking about? The fruit we have today is exactly like our ancestors had 10,000 years ago. And so then all of my followers started posting links to the articles showing a watermelon from even 200 years ago doesn't even resemble what a watermelon looks like today. A peach of today is basically a peach 200 years ago was just a pit with skin over it. And now, you know, we've got these huge sacks of sugar. Strawberries don't look anything like they did 100 years ago. But this, I don't know, people are, they're very defensive about fruit. They really want to go to bat for fruit. Like, no, by God. And I think it's just because it's the only plant food that they really love and like the taste of. And so they have to defend it to the end. Like, no, do not take away my, my strawberries that are the size of my fist. Those are natural. <laughs> <laughs> what was the story? You might want to uh, hit on that story we heard about Johnny Appleseed. Oh yeah, and apples. great in the US. story about about how apples weren't consumed as a food in the U.S. They were they were grown to make alcohol, so they're grown oh. to make apple cider. And cider. it was it wasn't until prohibition in the twenties where now you can't have alcohol, and they're like, "What the hell are we going to do, do with all these apples?" apples? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Let's feed them. Too. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I read that story and I was like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. So They actually did yeah, a story yeah. on that. They actually had that story on CBS Morning News. Yeah. And the story oh, I, can of, I can yeah. make some I can make some hay with that story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, so, I looked into it a little further just for accuracy, but you know, it's kind of like it was on CBS, so it's like the products on the shelf. It's got to be true. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <clears throat> an apple a day kept the doctor away because you were drunk, I guess, back then. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's when they came up. That's when they came up with that slogan, actually. Yeah. Is what oh, they were really? Is because, For marketing. Yeah. They were trying to sell the apples because they couldn't make oh. alcohol with them. And they were like, what are we going to do with all of our orchard? orchards full of apples, you know? Yeah. I've got some new content now. I can. Oh boy! Oh boy! Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we've taken up quite a few uh, minutes of your time, so we want to be respectful of your day. Uh, is there any information uh, that you need to put out at the end? There, like you want to put out your uh, just your YouTube, both of you guys. Uh, you can find me, like I said, at Nisha Loves It. It's N E I S H A Loves It. Everything: Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. My blog is Nisha Loves It blog, and uh, all his stuff is. Pretty close to the same thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Kim D. Berry, MD or dot MD, depending on which social media. But just see, search for Dr. Berry. You should be able to find me. But my, the final thought I want to leave everybody with is all humans, regardless of age, need to eat the proper human diet, whether they are still in their mama's tummy or whether they are 101 years old. If they want to live their best life and have their best physical and mental health, you have to eat the proper human diet. Gerber is not interested in you eating the proper human diet because that will cut into their profits. Kellogg's and Kraft and, and Post, none of these guys want you to eat the proper human diet because they will go bankrupt if you do. So don't get your nutrition advice from television commercials. Get it from Weston A. Price and get it from the paleoanthropological record that we know exists. And then you can get it from my YouTube channel too if you want to. <laughs> Boom. That's awesome. Don't listen. I got all my nutritional advice from Saturday morning cartoons. So that's why. <laughs> so did I. So did I. Yep. Okay. Well, hey, we appreciate you guys being on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure chatting with you guys. Anytime uh, you guys want to chat, just hit us up. Yeah, he loves to talk. <laughs> <laughs> One final barb. Yeah, I got He's it. He's in good company because I have been <laughs> for that my whole life that I'm a talker. Yeah, so. I'm surprised I even got to talk on this podcast. I had to like just... I had to jump I in know, there. I know, I do that. I'm like, <laughs> I, I have so it. many questions. <laughs> All right. We really appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. We hope you have a great day. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.